So it's a long time since we've been together. I know. But it's very nice to be back. Our producer was in New York. Yeah. Having a marvellous time. Having a lovely, lovely time. Sending photographs of the New Yorker building. So we literally sat alone waiting for him to return. Yeah. We never fulfilled (laughs) any of our plans, which was to do a Zoom. I know, the Zoom, I know. The Zoom went by the The technical heights that we haven't yet reached. (laughs) But anyhow, it's very nice to be back with this episode of As the Actress Said to the Critic, with me, the critic, Sarah Crompton. And with me, uh, the actress, Nancy Carroll. And we're quite excited because we've affected change in the real world. Sitting in our in our living rooms, talking about theatre. Yeah. Um, so the as uh, people who listen regularly know, I am the uh, chief theatre critic of What's on Stage, which is a website devoted to all theatre, and and really is read and run and written for by people who love theatre. I mean, yeah. it has a, a kind of um, great enthusiasm for theatre. And uh, my boss, the managing editor, Alex Wood, listened to our last podcast <laughs> uh, where we talked about star ratings and how we felt that they were, that they stopped people reading reviews, really, yeah. which was one of the things we felt. And you came up with this really good line about they shouldn't be. Well, it just sort of it was sort of throwing suggestions out there in terms of how things could possibly shift to change what's wrong with them as opposed to, you know, what's right with them. And, and one of the things was their position on the page, that it's the first thing you see below a photograph. Um, and so we talked about whether or not putting star ratings at the end of a review would draw the eye through all the sort of carefully crafted words and then it doesn't also have quite such an immediate impact as to whether or not somebody sits and reads the review or questions whether or not they might buy a ticket in the first place. And so Alex listened to us talking and um, had a bit of a think and a bit of a research and he has decided to move the star ratings to the bottom. Yeah, which is amazing. Which is wonderful. And on the grounds that, and which really makes me excited. So it's not just for me about the idea of, you know, that 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 instant judgment kind of is is essentially a bit damaging to all the effort that has gone into production. But also that isn't it's damaging to the effort that goes into a review. Yeah. And I think so I think that's what's thrilling because it says, you know, these words by me and by all the other critics are worth reading as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, I think it's really exciting. It's really, really lovely. And nice that it's happening. We start with what's on stage and then take over the world slowly. Absolutely. Well, he's getting it because, <laughs> because the FT does it. So the yeah. FT puts its star ratings at the bottom of the reviews. The Observer puts their star yeah. ratings at the bottom of the reviews. And I do think it just... Um, I've been uh, teaching this morning. I teach for uh, once a week for the British American Drama Academy. And we've been talking about star ratings yeah. and um, how, how much... They affect what you feel about a production. And actually what we were talking about this morning was whether a three-star review is a good review or a bad review. Yeah. And to me, it's a good review. Yeah. And it shows that I've had a really, really enjoyable um, night out to a lot of theatrical producers. Yeah. It's at least a very average review. Well, they wouldn't put it on a poster. No. I mean, that's the difference, isn't it, really? It's It's that sort of clear advertising message. But what's so brilliant is that, you know, not only does it draw the eye through the words, but it then becomes an afterthought. Yeah. 
which it sort of should be, that ultimately the experience is full of nuance. And as we said in the last episode, stars aren't. And exactly. so actually the opinion and experience and and thinking behind a critical review of something is nuanced and, you know, has many thoughts and a beginning, a middle and an end. And 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 it's an opinion and, and an informed opinion, whereas stars are so just literally, you know, black and white. Yeah. And, and yes, of course, I'm not, you know, you're not what you don't want to do away with them completely. But I think. This is this is a coup and it's a fun coup. Yes, it's a very nice coup. Yeah. And it and it also indicates which I think is, you know, another theme of our conversations is that sense of engagement with a piece about of, of about theatre itself engaging with life and yeah. also with people who go to the theatre and people who might go to the theatre or people who are interested in the theatre, kind of engaging in a debate around what works and what doesn't, what's yeah. interesting, how it works. And I, I like that idea that it is about a level of engagement yeah on a page yeah. you know or on a website as yeah. well as about you know our engagement with the with the play itself but also as you as you've said before there are there's a sort of timeline of reaction to something there's an immediate reaction there's the reaction the next day and that sometimes you're still thinking about it weeks later but it has its own sort of osmosis as it sort of gets in amongst you and 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 I think that art should invoke conversation you know, even if you've really reacted badly to something or or you absolutely love it on a visceral level it should it should bring people together and make people think about things and also want to take that baton and run with it in in their own way and and i and that you know and criticism fits into that yeah. Venn diagram as well but i mean i remember my parents talking about they were at um, LCC in the 60s and that when like albums came out like the Beatles and stuff they would listen they would sit down with their mates and and listen to it and then talk about it yeah. you know that music wasn't just in the background it was it was an art form to be discussed and and not in a not in a high class elitist way just in the sort of this has been made, it's out in the world, let's react to it, let's respect it, let's give it some time and get in amongst it. And even if you hate it, let's talk about it. Why yeah. do you hate it? What doesn't work? Yeah. And that's what art should be. It should be, it should have that, I, I suppose, um, movement to it, that it, it, it's a moving thing, that it goes out and then we look at it and then we have an opinion about it and then we go out into the world. And, and so it's, a, it's what connects us and that connection is not static. Yeah. And 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 that's why, you know, any level of discussion from that from the the point of it to whether or not it, you know what you decide to put on a poster to you know those sort of what do you call it those EPKs or whatever when people oh, yeah, interview press kits, yes. young young audience members after shows and stuff it's that thing of keeping it fizzy yeah keeping it alive yeah and also I think I do think that the other thing I talked to my students about is that um, I interviewed Lynn Manuel Miranda once about you know the creator of Hamilton and we were talking generally about um it was when he was making a movie actually so it was and it was when you know about what he was learning in doing that and but he said that you learn as much from things you're not quite sure you like or things that yeah. you actively dislike yeah 
as from um, something that you adore. And yes. in fact, perhaps learn more from the thing you don't like because you've got to carry on watching and work out what it is that's bothering you about yes. it. Yes. And this this last few weeks when we've been going to the theatre and not recording podcasts, yeah. we, we, um, we've both seen Pygmalion at the Old Vic, which I thought was a fascinating example of yeah. something that I am thrilled to have seen. I'm really, really glad to have seen this revival. Yeah. And I didn't like everything about it. I liked many, many things and I had a, a really nice evening. Yeah. But there were lots of things that actually I, I did want to disentangle in it and that I did think were provocative in entirely interesting ways actually yes yes even though when I sat back and thought about them yeah that didn't quite work for me and right. so that was you know that was an example for me as a writer that was a three-star review right but I totally if you said to me if I'd been in the electronic press kit being interviewed about my experience I would say well go because yeah. it's really really interesting yes, like, yes. Know, I've had a really stimulating evening yeah though these are all the things I disagree about yeah so yeah, that, yeah. it was really um I thought it was a fascinating night in the theatre yeah I went with um my daughter Nell who's 15 and and I do find it increasingly fascinating seeing stuff with her because what she reacts to what she gets what she doesn't get and you know she's not seeing stuff for like the second third time it, it's all fresh for her so even yeah. though we talk about it being a revival she has no sense of when it was written or my fair lady and when that came out or you know um and so that that really does affect m my experience of it and and I love I mean I loved it and I think but it was really really interesting on lots and lots of levels and 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 I continue to think about it. And I think, again, it's a, it's a, a mark of the success of something that, that you, you are continuing to think about it and question things about it and think about choices and relationships. And, and the, you know, there were a couple of things that, that it made me think about. And one, I think, is quite interesting, which is the role of a set. Right, right. And how that is, is another character in a, in a, a piece. And occasionally, you know, a set will be made to be as normal as possible that you don't question it so it's somebody's living room or somebody's kitchen or you know a street or whatever it is and then and then sometimes it's abstract right yeah. and then and then what was interesting about the set for the Pygmalion at the Old Vic was it sort of sit sat in this halfway point where it was realistic and it had something of that sort of 60s quality of the of the movie and it, it felt to me like there was a it was a homage to that time maybe but then there was also something quite abstract and designed right. about it as well and yeah. and it was so vast yeah you know really... it affected the movement of the actors and stuff and it, it's another interesting conversation we don't really talk about sets no, very well, much no it is I yeah it is really interesting that um the set which is by Stuart Lang yeah and indeed, the direction, which is by Richard Jones, who's done a lot of opera, yes, yes. has got a kind of um, a, a, a deliberate way of placing you in the real and the unreal at the same time. Yeah. So it's got like sounding boards are the, are, are the walls yeah, of the set. Yeah, which are great. Yeah, and then classrooms. And then it's got quite a real portico for Covent Garden that comes forward yes. and goes back. And I found, so one of my reservations was that I found that the lack of specificity right. 
in the placing of the social class. Right. Worried me because I feel that, you know, Pygmalion is a lot about class and right. accent, um, obviously. And it bothered me that, um, you know, for example, Higgins goes to the the ball in, a, in the same brown suit that he... Um, has worn throughout the production, and, yeah. you know, and that obviously is a deliberate choice yes. to to make him always stay in the role of being the professor and not fitting into society at all. But that worried me because I felt in a sense that the really interesting thing, the bit, the bit of Shaw that is so interesting in Pygmalion yeah. is that Eliza's attempts to move class, that she goes to have lessons with Higgins. She she chooses to speak well because she wants to own her own flower shop. Yeah, yeah. Her attempt to move class leaves her sort of unable to um, go anywhere. It makes her only fit to be a wife. I mean, that that's the kind of feminist bit of Pygmalion. Yeah, yeah. And it bothered me that in taking the class out, so much that they'd sort of lost that but it clearly is a deliberate decision to do that it is an interesting play and I mean he you know George Bernard Shaw is so polemic in that way you know he there will always be some thread of uh you know social criticism and you know, there are lots, so there's always frightening how little we've moved on, you yes. know, which is always the great alarm bell. You're like, oh, hang on, I think there's something important here. Um, but, but yes. you know, within that, there are also, there's just brilliant writing and brilliant performances. And John Marquez as, as Arthur Doolittle and um, Michael Gould as, as uh, Colonel Pickering oh, yeah, and Sylvester Latouzel as um, Mrs. Higgins. You know, they're all like just perfect you just you know you could watch them do anything yeah. forever they're just and you know Bertie Carville and uh, Patsy Ferran as Eliza and Henry Higgins it, you know they're just they're just great and it's luxury isn't it that we're presented with such brilliant shows that we can then sit yeah. there in the darkness going interesting what do I think about yeah, this yeah. you know but but then you know that's that's the that's the model. <laughs> I know, and but it is about nuance. I mean, you know, it is about like discussing the tactics after Man United's appalling performance yeah, yeah. against Galatasaray. You know, and it, it is. It, I think that is the wonderful thing about theatre that you know that and and that is exactly the nuance that you're looking for. That it's made you think and made you argue with the play yes yes and I, I I do love that and and the kind of energy that Richard Jones brought to it was kind of operatic and yeah it had yeah. that kind of big quality and then which the, maybe it needs which you know. maybe it needs and 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 it, I mean the other thing it defiantly wasn't was My Fair Lady which I think to yes. a lot of um uh people you know Actually, that was the thing that really surprised me. They have used a script of Pygmalion that is both from Shaw's original version. Right. And then from the version he wrote for the Wendy Hiller film, I think in 1938. Oh, wow. Which is the first time that it's filmed. So they've used bits. But what absolutely knocked me for six, not really ever having seen Pygmalion, is how many of the lines that Lerner and Lowe do then just lift completely um, wholeheartedly right. for My Fair Lady, which I have seen quite a lot of quite recently. And on all this kind of really famous lines of My yeah, Fair yeah. Lady are there in Shaw's script, but it made me think so about, It made me think about how you just the ancient art of, of storytelling 
really, in terms of like even family stories. Yeah. I, I can't remember who I was talking to recently. We were talking about the nature of embellishing for dram dramatic purpose. Yeah. Even when you're talking about like a family Christmas about 20 years ago, you know, and then the dog vomited all over the turkey, you know, or whatever it was, you know, you, I, you think, no, he didn't actually vomit over the whole turkey. He was in another room and <laughs> yes. it wasn't turkey. It was something else. And, yeah. you know, I sort of love that, that, that the whole nature of revival can pick and choose. You can pick yeah. and choose. That's the luxury of the passing of time and the fact that it is an art, you know, what you pick and dump, for want of a better word, you know, is the art form. It is the revival. You know, what is it that, that our audiences will react to? And 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 just the and just the whole ethos of somebody changing themselves is that an improvement? Yeah. So the whole the basis yeah. of the story is: is this person better because society has deemed them to be more, you know, acceptable, palatable? They speak better, they dress better, whatever. Who who made that decision? Yeah. You know, and even though they're no longer truly happy, or they don't know what to do with themselves, or they're fitting somebody else's model of what's acceptable, that doesn't matter because this person who has activated that that change is happy with the job that he's done. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that that in itself is a fantastic, you know, formula for a story. Yeah, and you're absolutely right that, that it is the joy of revivals. And it's lovely when you say that about Nella, of that sense of going to things for the first time. Yeah, you never, yeah. You never... You know, you never beat that moment when you go for the first time to to see something. And I, I was actually thinking about that with um, the, the other thing that's happened in our absence. Michael Gambon has died. Yes, and I was quite lucky, I realised, to see an awful lot of his performances. But certainly the thing I saw for the first time with him in it yeah. was Miller's A View from the Bridge. And, oh, wow. and that... And that discovery of that play in the hands of a kind of great actor, great production. Yeah. It, you know, has stayed with me ever since. And, and you know, I, I think that is the wonderful thing that you, if you, you are seeing something for the first time, it kind of can burn itself into your heart. Yes. In, in a, an extraordinary way, really. And Nella will probably always think now of Pygmalion. If she sees it again, she'll always think. Yeah, yeah. Of seeing, you know, Verti and, and Patsy Perrin do it. Yeah, and, and just having that sort of clear prism, I suppose, yeah. as opposed to the prism of lots and lots of previous productions or having seen those actors do other things or, you know, and, and of course that informs your experience. I suppose the... The joy is when even with that in place, you are entirely lost in a show and you just love it. And love it. Yeah. Um, it, it sort of rarely happens for me that I'm not entirely lost because I think, I suppose as a performer, you know how much has gone in to get them to that point. Mm. And so you you get lost in their commitment to the project. Yeah, their decisions. And, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that, you know, you watch it going, wow, okay, I wonder what that was like and where did that come from and was that improvised or what, you know. Um, and that and that's just lovely. And because Nell's doing Theatre Studies GCC, it's really lovely to then, you know, be able to go home and discuss it with yeah, her and, yeah. and have, and, and she's just, you know, has equal levels of excitement about seeing yeah. things. And, of course, the other thing we've seen this, this period is... Um, is Vanya yeah. um, at with Andrew Scott playing all eight parts in a completely new version yeah. by Simon Stevens of Chekhov's play, um, and, and that so deliberately is, um, you know, a revival that is making you see it, yeah, 
completely anew. I did wonder what would happen. Well, I actually know because I went to this with my niece. Right. And I she hadn't seen Uncle Vanya. So she hasn't seen it in a different oh, okay. That's version. Yeah. And I was a bit worried before we started. And I said, you know, this is completely... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Normally yeah. there are a lot of characters on stage. This time there is Andrew Scott. And what was fascinating for me was that she... You know, great tribute to him. She wasn't lost. She knew what was going on. Right. And obviously when she eventually does see it with eight people on stage. Yeah, yeah. um, It will be different. But it it was a great tribute, I thought, to the clarity of the storytelling that she wasn't lost. And it is the most amazing tour de force of acting and interpretation. I, I thought the play emerged as a different... Well, not as a different play, but with subtle shades of difference within it. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah, no, again, I guess it's that universal story, isn't it, of, of unrequited love and disappointment and being lost in the familiarity of your own life. And, and, and yeah, and you said it in Ireland as opposed to Russia. It, beca- it takes on a completely different quality, but then does it as well. You know, they've got the same... Yeah, I, I, I find, and it was really interesting as well. I mean, I don't, I, I mean, I love a program and I love reading programs afterwards, but um, it was interesting to see those photographs of him surrounded by people. And I, yeah. it did make me feel fascinated with what that, how, how it all came about and what all those different people sat around the table. Were they the characters when he was learning? Yeah, or how was, you know, how did he do it? Where did it come from? Did they? Did he have those voices in his head of the, of the people that had developed it with him and created the project with him as he sort of skipped from moment to moment? And, and it was... Yeah, it's it was, very... Yeah. It's, I thought it was effortless. Mm. And it belied the, obviously, the enormous effort involved in developing it as an idea and... And and, but also, but the idea of the simplicity of something, and the, the, I had a restrictive view seat, so there were chunks of it that were a bit radio play because like, <laughs> right. whenever he disappeared, <laughs> stage right, I lost him a bit. But um, yeah, it was fascinating. It was yeah. a really fascinating idea. Um, yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that. He so Andrew Scott, Simon Stevens, Sam Yates, his director, yeah, and Rosanna Weiss, who is the set designer, are all credited as co-creators. And I think yeah. that was the weird thing that it's exactly what you say that although there was one man on the stage, you felt an incredible sort of amount of different intelligences and different yeah. empathies behind it yes that he, it, it was very it's a very strange thing to say of a one-man show but it felt peopled in yes. in ways I couldn't quite explain but by people who really had thought about a play that they loved yes and 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 looked at ways of unlocking different things in it yes and there were lovely sort of simple theatrical tricks. So it starts in this brilliant moment of complicity where Scott walks onto the stage and switches on what is in fact the kitchen light and it turns off the house lights and he does it twice. And in the middle, he looks at the audience so that like 
you're all in it. It's like saying we're all going to go on this adventure yeah, together, yeah. which I thought was so clever. And then there's really simple things like this. Um, one of the, the you know, the, the character of um, Yelena, who is the spoiled sort of beauty who causes all the problems in the household, is represented both by him sort of fingering a necklace, but also by the swing that she sits on and yeah, that kind of yeah. languorously wafts when she isn't there. Yeah. And so it was full of that and the... And, and the really um, unbelievable thing about it was that it brought to life the, the, the biggest absence in the play, which is the, the dead sister. sister. Yeah, yeah, I thought that. It made me cry, actually, when the piano played and stuff. I found that incredibly moving. It's unbelievable yeah. to do that. And that, I mean, you know, that just was like, oh, yeah, that's why they're yeah. all at sea. Yeah, This yeah. woman died. yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I've seen Vanya so many times. It's one of my favourite plays. And I, I, I mean, I've never done any Chekhov. I, I do love, love, love his writing. And I don't think anything was lost and only things were gained by this production. And I, and, um, yeah, it was, it was really beautiful. And there were lots of things about the fact that the set and the, the pretense was very, very basic, but technically everything was very, very specific and actually beautiful. Yeah. It was, and nothing was in your face and it was all, and actually the other thing that was, I found very interesting watching it, because I've never actually done a one-man show, but I have heard from mates and colleagues that they are immensely lonely experiences because there's so much you get from the camaraderie of live performance with other people. And stuff that you can't always put your finger on. It's that, that shared journey, shared fear, shared adrenaline, shared leap of faith, whatever it is. And I did, f and, and that I imagine, I wonder if there is something about that sort of stealing yourself when you go on stage alone that gives you a sort of intensity. I don't know. I mean, this, I'm just saying this, but he didn't have that. He was yeah. so relaxed. He was so just at ease. And 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 I know, you know, I haven't seen that much of him on stage, only on, on screen, but he has an enormous ease with the energy that he brings. Yeah. And and um but I did wonder if that some of that ease had come from this group journey. Yeah. That even though he was the, the sole storyteller that night that they were literally just waiting behind the door. And so at no point did you feel that he was on his own. Yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, I think that's absolutely true. It was, it, it was a, a very remarkable experience. I mean, he is um, my, um, well, one of my favourite Hamlets. I once went out to him at an award ceremony and did that kind of fantastically embarrassing thing that you're never meant to do with an actor of going, oh, I loved your Hamlet, I love uh. Um And he was very gracious. Uh, and I, he is one of my favourite actors. I have seen him in, in enormous amounts of things. But right. there was something very specifically wonderful about that production, which had to do with him, but which is also just, it was just like that rethinking. And um, I'm a great admirer of Simon Stevens as well, of just saying what what it is. Yeah. Why do we love Vanya? Why is it a play that goes on and on and on speaking to people? And Chekhov, you know, from the 19th century still seeming to understand people better than anyone yeah and yeah. I loved that about it I loved it's kind of it's kind of got a quiet rigor about yeah, it yeah and was very funny 
as well. Yeah. And it, it, I, it's got a short run and it's sold out, but it is. I hope they film it or something yeah. because I do. It, it's it's a magical night of theatre. But I think you know the it doesn't go anywhere. You know, you just when things like that are created, there there is a ripple effect because you know then people play with that new idea and you know maybe they're reacting to something that they'd seen before but we just didn't know what it was or you know and I think that it gives other people permission to try things I think the other thing that I really really felt watching him and and it chimed with something that a brilliant teacher I had at Lambda called Colin Cook used to talk about stillness Mm -hmm. and I think that there is such an extraordinary thing and 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 it and I, I remember um, Bill Nye. We've talked about it before. That brilliant thing he did in lockdown it was Blue Orange. Blue Orange. It was a sort of yeah. reunion, and he was talking about that sort of epiphany that he had. I can't remember what stage of his you know acting life, but of realizing that you don't hit the wings of a stage and go, oh, I gather myself and then walk on. That his whole take was, you just walk on yeah. with the energy that you've had all day. And that and that actually it's very, very hard to kid an audience. Yeah. Ultimately, that was the message is that just be yourself. Stand there, let them watch you, let your part in whatever story you're telling be the part that they need to complete that story in, the, in your head. And I think... As a project, as a as an ideal, what was so glorious about Vanya and other things like it is that it granted the audience with great intelligence. Yeah, it didn't, and it, you know, like we've said about a mirror, like other things in the last couple of um, episodes, that it, when an audience is in on it, mm-hmm. you know, the in cahoots with the whole project, the whole story, the enjoyment is greater than when they are spoon fed or. I don't know. These are these are my. Yeah, this is my taste. I, it's absolutely my personal opinion, and I, I don't know if this is a universal truth at all. But I, you know, and I, it's about trusting that process and trusting your right to be in the space that your right to tell that story. And I think what was so glorious and also glorious about stillness on stage is that is entirely a mark of trust. Yeah, it's entirely a mark of the audience will watch because we're mid story. The actor is allowed to be there so they don't have to be doing the whole time because they are there. Mm-hmm. The act of being there is the doing. Yeah. And so there's, and it's quite, I think it takes years to get there sometimes yeah. to trust that you can stand there and still be telling a story. You can still be doing something important, just the very, the twitch of an arm or, you know, and that, and, and that's what Vanya was filled with. It had great trust, yeah, great trust of, of trust. the story, great trust of an audience. And that for me, the simplicity of that, that was sort of sitting on top of years of experience of, of all the creators was was the bliss of it really no it it was absolute heaven and a, a treat and yeah we're having a we're having a good uh, theatrical autumn yeah um, but that's that's probably enough for this week we yeah. go on and on um but uh i think it's a good moment to say um with stillness Farewell. stillness adieu <laughs> yeah it's goodbye from me nancy carroll the actress and goodbye from me sarah crompton the critic